Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. G'day. (laughs) Did you enjoy Australia Day the other day? (laughs) One of the things I I sort of miss a bit about, uh, you know, the older Aussies, you know, is that I miss their language, you know, like don't come the raw prawn with me, mate, you know. Stone the crows, you know. I tell you what, you know, I got me good clobber on here today, you know, so I, I sort of miss that a little bit. And, of course, those people from America, you know, half the time they don't know what we're talking about because we don't know what we're talking about either, do we? I mean, and the other thing is, like, it's generally having a go at somebody, isn't it, you know? Like, you know, mate, that's going to take donkey's years, yonkies, yonks. It'll take forever. You know, he's as slow as a, as a one-armed bricky from Beirut. You know, um, I mean, you, you know, you're kind of like, his face is like a kicked-in Kero can, you know. It's usually having a go at somebody, isn't it? And then, um, and then of course, there's the, um, the idea that, that our language uh, is difficult for others to understand. Can you imagine a newcomer from Madras coming to Australia on the plane reading about Australia, you know? Uh, how are you going is the greeting, you know, right? How are you going? Shouldn't it be, where are you going? How are you going? Oh, taxi, Uber? Okay. So when they arrive and they hear you say, how you gone? I beg your pardon? How you gone? And we abbreviate things, don't we? So we say, hey, we just say, gone, mate, gone. Gone, how you gone? That's it, it's all. We like to just abbreviate things, you know. So how was the match the other night? Well, not bad. Did it cost a lot? Not much. How's the missus? Not good. I mean, we don't really say much, do we? We just sort of say just a tiny little bit, you know. And, uh, and so the other thing we've picked up is Cockney. Cockney is like a rhyming thing. It come out of London. And so the Aussies picked that up in the early days, you know. And, you know, like the other day I went down and bought a, a Nellie Bly and I made sure I got some dead horse on it, of course. You're all looking at me. A pie with sauce, come on. Right, okay, you got it, right. So I got me St. Louis Blues on, that's my shoes. I got me Rio Grande, I've stick it in my Sky Rocket, which is in my pocket. And I pull out my Southern Yankee, which is my hanky, and I blow me, I suppose. You're all looking at me blank. There you go, okay. Stone the crows, come on. All right, we better start talking about the sermon. I love having my grandkids over. I do love having them over. I mean, it's just great, you know. I got an eight-year-old, just turned eight, and a six-year-old. That's my iPad. I was playing with that. No, you weren't. I got it first. He punched me. Ma, he punched me. I love having my grandkids over. And then you tuck them in the bed and you tell them a little story and they say, I love you, Papa. Oh, I love them having them over. I love taking Marvel fishing. I take her fishing down the jetty and uh, we just throw bread in and she can actually cast the line in and she got a fish. She's had about three times now she's caught a fish. But sometimes she gets in a tangle or the hook gets on her shirt and she says, Papa, I need your help. So what does Papa do? What does any dad do? You drop everything, even if you had a fish on your rod. You drop it, you go and help your kid. And in a way, this is like the father, the royal official that I want to talk about in John chapter 4. And let's go to John chapter 4, 47 to 53. It's a great story here. 
And my message really is about for those who need help now. So we'll go to that, that scripture, that story in John chapter 4. So when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him. If you've got your scripture and you've got it open, you underline that word, begged. Begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And Jesus said something very strange here. This is an unusual... In, in a, he said, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. It was like he's frustrated. But see, this man's come from Capernaum. Jesus is in Cana. That's way up the hill. It's about 30 kilometres of difference. I don't know whether he didn't want to go there or whether he was... Anyway, the royal official just let it go straight over his head. And he said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word. There's another one thing to underline. Taking Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servant met him with the news that the boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole house believe that's a great story isn't it you know every father when they've got a sick son I mean this guy was a wealthy royal official he's probably had the doctors there but he didn't come to Jesus uh you know and pulling rank telling who he was or um he didn't didn't offer money for the you know the synagogue of Cana or anything like that he just came to him and said I need your help and maybe there are some here today that are in the same situation. I need your help. A cry for help. Simon Tadros had a similar cry on the January the 3rd when he put his son and his wife in a helicopter in the Gold Coast and it crashed. Four people were killed. You remember the story, don't you? His son Nick was alive but only just. And so... He asked his church whether they would pray. He went to a Catholic Maronite church. Maronite church was kind of like an Arab offshoot of the Catholic church. And there they began to pray in the church. We'll go to the people praying in the church. They prayed for, for a whole week. They had church services. And, um, and, and his cry for help was this. He said, please pray for my boy Nick and pray for me when I tell him his mother has gone to heaven. That's a difficult thing. You know, sometimes there is a gap between prayers offered and prayers answered, isn't there? Sometimes there's a long walk between Cana and Capernaum. What was the guy thinking all the way down there? Is this going to happen? But I think he would be saying, Jesus said it. I believe it. It's so. Why don't you repeat that after me? Jesus said it. I believe it. It's so. And I prayed for little Nicholas too, and it took 10 days before he revived. He's got a long way to go, but God is answering his father's cry for help. He does that. And in each of these miracles that Jesus does, there is a message. And there's a message for us. And maybe you're in that space where there's this huge gap between a prayer offered and a prayer answered. But understand this about Jesus, doesn't matter what denomination you go to, he never asked this guy, does he go to the synagogue? Was he a Pharisee? He never asked us the same thing. Our cry for help 
He just says, I am able to help. The second, the second story is because John has a lot of these signs in the book of John. He has a whole lot of them. And, uh, and they're great stories to read. The second one is for those who are stuck. That is where you're in a circumstances where you feel like there is no way out. Anyone here like that? Circumstances, right? No way out. There's no progress. Uh, there's no one to help. There's no way out. Maybe you feel like this man who is living by the pool in Bethesda. Let's read it from John chapter uh, 5, 1 to 8. So here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the man, the paralyzed, one who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learnt that he'd been in this condition for so long, he asked him, what do you, do you want to get well? Doesn't Jesus ask some strange questions? Like, really? Do you want to get well? But here's the man's answer. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me to get into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Somebody else goes down ahead of me. Just hold it there. So there was a legend that an angel came and touched the pool of Siloam once a year. And the first person to jump in the pool would be healed. That sign, that miracle. Let's go on from here. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. That's, that's probably all we need to stay there. Get, you know, pick up your mat and walk. So I imagine Jesus coming. This pool was 40 metres long. It was a long pool. I could imagine there'd be lots of paralysed blind and people gathering there. It's their last hope, their last opportunity. This man was 38 years as a paralysed man. I think we've even got a picture of him. Yeah, we, we, we actually got a snap of him, you know. See, there he is. Oh, no, he's the guy down there, right? That's it. So I know the pixels weren't as clear in those days, but I did download that from the Church of the Latter-day Saints and they missed out on the, on the length of the pool. So there, anyway, but it gives you an idea, the amount of people who were there. And he was stuck. No one to help me get in the pool. He didn't even ask who Jesus was. He didn't even know who Jesus was. But Jesus' eyes were searching. His eyes were searching and looking. You know, I think he was looking for the hardest, the hardest task, the hardest thing there. The man had been there stuck for 38 years and his eyes fell upon him. And his eyes are falling upon you. Are you in that position, though, where you, it's just that long distance between prayers offered and prayers answered, stuck there? Two years ago, I started rattling the can for the church to, to raise some funds. And two days after, I met three people to ask for gifts. I hated asking for money. And I was just like not... I, two, two days later, I got facial shingles, you know? I got facial shingles, like there I was a pretty man. <laughs> you should have seen the other guy. Um, I got facial shingles, uh, and that ended up being post-hepatic neuralgia, which is where the, all of your neuralgic nerves are frayed and burnt, and it, it causes facial pain and burning pain every day of my life. It's like there. And I'm praying every day, Lord, you are our healer. By your stripes we are healed. We've had the church pray. We've had people pray. We're praying. And, and now two years have gone. And um, I asked Marty, uh, um, I told Marty the other day, you know, I, I've just read something on the internet about post-herpatic neuralgia. It says, if you have it for two years or more, it's likely to be permanent. It felt like I'm living in Bethesda by the pool. It felt permanent. 
So I started to lose hope. But while we were away, Marty, she doesn't give up. She's praying for healing one morning and she comes rushing out. The Lord has given me a word. I am the Lord who heals thee and God's going to heal you because at the same time I looked out and there was a rainbow. God gave me a sign. We have hope for him. His eyes are looking, looking on those who have a distance between, between prayers offered and prayers answered. I'm going to welcome Monica up because Monica is um, our cafe manager and she's got a story to tell. Now, what I want you to do is clap. First of all, clap slowly, okay? Clap, clap, and then faster. Come on, Monica. She's our cafe manager. Yes, sir. And I'm going to welcome her up because there are sometimes when you are stuck, sometimes when the obstacle seems so great or the bill seems so big, there's no way out. Tell us your story. Excuse me, because I am nervous. I'm not the best public speaker. But I do want to share, um, I was renting a home. Um, I was in the house for five years. I was living 100 metres from the water. And um, over those years, um, corrosion started happening in the showers. To cut a long story short, um, the owners of that property had um, accused me of damaging their showers by using conventional cleaning products. I knew the truth, I knew that that wasn't the cause and which had led me to a really terrible ongoing six month court case. And um, for the last seven years I've raised two children myself. So, you know, like money's always tight. So the thought of being sued for $56,000 because they wanted to replace two bathrooms was just extremely overwhelming for me and created a lot of fear um, and um, anxiety. And um, I'm a very resilient woman raising two children on my own and I've always thought I've got this, I can manage this. Um, but this one was a little bit big and... Um, so, yeah, I, I turned to God, I leaned on God um, and I shared my story to um, people in the centre um, who prayed for me, which I'm extremely grateful. Um, this court case, I had to represent myself and, um, like I said, I've never been really good at public speaking. So I had been praying a week leading up to the court case to God to give me the strength and the courage and the words to be able to represent myself and share my truth. And hopefully the magistrate would see that. So um, with me having faith that God was beside me, um, there with me, walking alongside me, um, the faith that I had that I had all these beautiful people in this centre that were praying for me, um, I knew on the Friday of the court case I had a lot of people on their knees praying for me um, and it turned out that um, the magistrate seen the truth and, um, yeah, I won my court case. So... Yeah. But in saying that, I just think for the first time in my life I've grown up in a Christian home, um, I just realised the power of God um, for the first time ever, um, it really, really has given me great faith that if we lean on God, we trust in God, um, open up to people, 
um, and share your story that God will and always, um, yeah, always be there with you and, um, yeah, help you in sticky situations. So it's just really restored how powerful God is and um, how powerful our community can be um, supporting one another. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Is that a good story or not? I'm just going to pray that I'm just going to say, Lord, we want to thank you corporately for Monica, but we want to thank you corporately that you entrusted this circumstance to us and we prayed, we saw a breakthrough and we saw a victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Monica. Yeah. Well, if a father's cry can teach us that Jesus is here to help, and the miracle of the paralytic teaches us that Jesus sees our circumstances, then my next story is about Jesus is able to supply. So the background of this is that Jesus had been teaching in the hills, and all these people uh, were beginning to uh, follow him. So this, we'll pick up the story in John chapter 6, verses 5 to 11. So when Jesus looked and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for already he had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, good on you, Andy, yeah, you come through there, right? Andy, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And as they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Then he took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed them to those who were seated as much. And they, uh, those who were, as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had all, enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets full with pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten them. We'll leave it there. Wow. I love that miracle. And this speaks to those whose demand is outweighing the supply. Did anyone here love that? The demand is outweighing the supply. <laughs> I went to the shopping centre the other day to buy a new pair of sandals it was packed, William Schumann, packed with mums buying stuff for kids for school. And then I went to office works and it was packed too. There were heaps of stuff. I could imagine the credit cards getting maxed out before school, back to school. It's costing this much. And if you're a property owner, you've probably seen your interest rates go up, costs are going up, 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 up. Not like Woolies used to say, down, down, down. They're going up, up, up. And so there's pressure on everyone. We understand the same pressure in our centre because when we borrowed 2.55 to to build to finish this off, we our interest rates were um, 4.7. Now they're 7.3, and they're about to go up in a week or so. We budgeted a, a bill for four thousand dollars for our electricity. We got the bill the other day; it was seven or eight thousand. Wow, costs are stretching us. The demand outstripping supply. But when you come to Jesus, you realise that he is somebody who is able to supply. 
And I've discovered that because he's, he kind of takes the small things and he makes them big. He takes little things, become much when God's in it. And he takes a boy with two sardines and five pita bread and he feeds 5,000. He takes some water jars and he, he's able to feed, uh, to, to turn the water into wine and, and, and uh, supply a wedding. God takes two pieces of timber, makes a cross, and Jesus saves the world. Little becomes much when God's in it. Even a few acres of floodplain land, God can take and build a community centre, right? And I want to tell you this story because I do not want anyone to think, I do not want anyone to say, I want kudos because I'm telling you, I'm telling the story because I'm telling you the story about how God turns up and takes little things and makes them big. In 1989, I bought three acres, 300 acres of land. I paid 150,000. In fact, I bought some more, but uh, that's another story. And I decided then that maybe one day we could leave some acreages for a church but I was involved in good life at the time, so it was, in, you know, just it was in like the background. So, um, first of all, I sold 100 acres for 120,000. Oh, by the way, if I paid 150,000 for this land, this 10 acres of land, of raw land, cost me $5,000. $5,000. When you think about it, you know, if you just take it all like that. I then sold an acre down the back for 67,000. Wouldn't you like that now? Uh, then the council came in and they wanted some environmental land and I had a grant from the land and the government gave me 675000 It's multiplying, isn't it? And then there was enough room for 150 lots and 10 acres of land for the church. And I used that for seed capital for here. And I want you to, I want you to know, this is holy ground. This is like the basketfuls of, you know, the basketfuls of what, what, what falls on the ground. God has got... And so um, uh, the amazing thing is that God supplies things and does miracles when things seem impossible. And so he's out in the wilderness with these people. There's no shops, there's no village, there's not enough money. And then he does a miracle. You know, what is it? Man's extremity is God's opportunity. He does a miracle. And he supplies and multiplies to all of these people. And, and, and the other thing that struck me as I, as I read this is that um, Jesus is saying to his disciples, you feed them. It's not in that particular version, uh, story, but over in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 16, he says, you feed them. Uh, you know, you give them something to eat. Of the sign, you feed them. And so this was a mission training opportunity of the sign to convince his disciples and the people that he was God, but also an opportunity to show the disciples that the demands will never outweigh the supply. Jesus will be with them. And so he says, you feed them. He says, you go preach the gospel. He says, you lay hands. And that's the call and the mission. And so the you is for all of us. It's an amazing story. I am able to supply and the last thing on, on, on that is, I just, I just, it's, it's my imagination, but I imagine the boy going home that night, Mum, Mummy, you will not believe what happened today. You know there's two sardines and those little five pancakes, right? Jesus used them to feed 5,000. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, you've got a good imagination. It's time to go to bed, Sonny. Yeah. And I said, no, that, Mum, there were women and children there. Maybe there were seven and a half thousand. 
Gee, Johnny, that's great. It's good. Yeah, that's a nice story. Just because we gave a little bit away. It's great. And not only that, Mum, they took 12 basketfuls. Go and take the remainder to their village and feed other people. Isn't that amazing, Mum? Oh, Johnny, time to go to sleep, right? But I learned something, Mum, that day. I learned Jesus is able to supply. So am I talking to someone here where the demands are outweighing? Am I talking to somebody here which circumstances just right now to turn up? Because he's able to help. He sees your circumstances and he's able to supply. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these great stories that prove that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And that in believing you give life. Long walk from Cana to Capernaum or that long time we're staying by the pool. Or the, the weight, the weight, Lord, of the bills, the circumstances. Lord, they're beyond us. And just as Monica faced, they were beyond her. But you, you, God, are able to come to us and say, I am here to help. I see you and I'm able to supply. Thank you, Lord. I just want to throw up that last verse, John chapter 20, verses 30 to 32. Jesus did perform many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which them are not recorded in his book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There's a message in all of those miracles for us. They teach us about him. Can I just get everyone to stand, please? I'm going to embarrass you. But sometimes you've got to put up your hand like Monica did. Ask for prayer. Maybe the demands are outweighing your supply. I've got a spectrum here. So it's in there. Okay. Maybe I'd like if, if you know, I'd like, I'd like you to come forward and someone's going to pray for you. Or your circumstances seem just beyond you and you need help. If you could just come, come down the front. It's not an embarrassing thing. And you don't have to share with somebody about that. But if you come down, if you say, I'm willing just to come and have someone pray for me. I know it's an embarrassing thing sometimes because we all want to think that we can manage every circumstance, but we can't. So just, you know, just, just come down. And, and, and when you, as you come, as they sing, what I'm going to do is there are others who are going to come and pray for you. So those who would like prayer and those who would like to pray for somebody. Because some of you have the faith to pray for somebody that their circumstances may be relieved. You see? But it does just take. It takes that cry of the Father's heart, Lord. I need you right now. My boy needs you. I need you. It just takes that willingness willingness like Monica to say Lord I need your help so would you if you just come it's okay it's not like embarrassing it's hard it doesn't have a need but sometimes those with big needs right now so 
I want someone to pray for Jenny and Steve over there because Steve's got Huntington's disease and his body's falling apart. They need a place to live. I want someone to pray for them that God will turn up, multiply their needs. So you have faith to believe? Thank you, Corey, I know. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day. And until next time, bless you.